We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, the GOAT, the pun master, the stats god, the host of the dunker spot, JJ Reddick co-worker, <laughs> Broken Eagles fan. Yeah. Hey, making some moves on the coordinator front in Philly. So we'll see what happens <laughs> next year. But glad to be back. Always nice to... Return home for a little bit. Hope you're doing well, friend. Welcome home. Listen, we talk pregame. I'm in the mud, man. I'm I'm a Liverpool fan. My you know my goat Jurgen Klopp is retiring. My other goat Mo Salah got hurt at Afcon. Uh, Endo keeps winning his game, so he's not back. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna lose the city. Kyle Lowry's traded. I, I'm in hell. I, I'm in hell. The Jags had the the most collapse. Of, I mean, they somehow had a worse collapse than the Eagles. You know, so let's put it that way. I mean, we we're just. We got to watch the 49ers win. We're in hell, man. We're in hell. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure Pat will pull some more magic out of the hat. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Suck, uh, I, I, still got, I still have Andy Reid. Uh, that's the only thing I'm yeah. holding on to this football season. I can't believe I'm cheering for the Chiefs. I'm that meme. Save me, white woman. Save me, white woman. <laughs> <laughs> white woman's still here. So, anything but the Niners. Man. Anything but the Niners. But we're not here to talk about football or football. We are here to talk about the Miami Heat and their – and guys, I don't even want to call it a skid. I, I, I'm, I'm singing like full on DEFCON 1 emergency. There are lights in the facility. Eric Spolstra hit a big red button. Pat Riley woke up from his nap. Andy Ellisberg is running. Papers are flying everywhere. Cooper Moorhead is, is trying to put together some video or something. It's that bad, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the episode of SpongeBob when he, uh, yes. he eliminated all of his things, forgot trying to get defined. Def- def- yeah, it's just they forgot how to defend. <laughs> it's awful. Like I was talking to Steve about this not too long ago. It's like you know, it feels like every January there's like a point where Miami just feels really bleh or whatever. But like even this feels a little different. 
this isn't pre All Star break nonsense, and then the Heat round in the gear like normal. Like they still can do it, obviously, but just the general vibe around the team, everything just feels kind of off right now. The defense so, feels off kilter. The offense is, remains weird. It's just nothing feels good right now. And, and let, let's kind of go through each of these things real quick. And we're going to start with the with the Brazier trade and how we feel. But let's get a little temperature check on Miami's measurables. 22nd in offensive rating. That's not good. 13th in defensive rating uh, and, and, and sliding. And perhaps most damning, 20th in net rating. Um, sandwiched between juggernauts like the Los Angeles Lakers and the Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, just the kinds of the kinds of teams you want to be around midseason. So that's kind of where they're at uh, with their measurables. And their big move was trading Kyle Lowry and his big expiring contract mm-hmm. for Terry Rozier, who was theoretically supposed to give them some help on offense, some downhill zip, some playmaking from a scores position. And I guess we could start with what was outgoing and then finish with what was incoming. How do you feel that they've missed or not even missed Lowry's absence in this recent stretch? I think the immediate thing, if we want to pull from like an Eric Spolster quote, I think he said recently, I can't remember the last time that we drew a charge, which that's going to be the big thing. Kyle Lowry, 10 charges taken this year is top seven in the league. Uh, so I decided to be a little sicko. Let's see. When's the last time Miami drew a charge, actually? Can I guess? Uh, yeah, go what you got. Was it Kevin Love in the Raptors game? Uh, it is not. Unless yeah. second, unless uh second spectrum is lying to me. Uh last that charge just, that was taken. Just a guess. Yeah, all good. Uh last charge taken was Jimmy Butler uh, on oh. January 21st against Orlando. Oh. But to your point, Miami hasn't had a multi-charge game since uh January 8th against Houston. Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry both drew one. In the goats. So like you miss him there, I think with Bam in particular, as Terry Rozier and Bam just obviously need to get some chemistry together. They just haven't played together enough. But like you can kind of see like the way that Kyle could get the pocket pass to Bam is just not something that Terry Rozier has gotten down yet. It's early, but, but yeah, it's it's early. But you you certainly feel that. And then I think just general off ball awareness between Kyle Lowry and Terry Rozier on both ends of the floor. Well, obviously with Kyle, he can come with the quick swipes and get some steals or. As earlier, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the charge is taken. But Terry, that was my concern with him, like watching him in Charlotte as the resident non-Hornet fan sicko that's still watching Hornets games. But like I, I off, got, baby. <laughs> like I got the argument that he's going to be on the playoff team in a better situation around better personnel, so the defense should be better, and I think it will be generally. But like the off-ball stuff has just kind of been messy his whole career, or at least post Boston. And that part hasn't really changed so far in Miami. And then even on offense, he's very much trying to figure out, okay, where exactly am I spacing? Am I supposed to cut now? Do I need to set this pin in now? Or do I need to stay where I am? Like, those are things that are going to be worked out. So that's not really a red flag thing. But comparing him to Kyle Lowry, who just kind of knew what to do when he didn't have the ball in his hands, you can kind of feel it. It's uh, another symptom of Miami's weird offense. Dude, am I crazy? Like, I, and people made fun of me all year. I thought his his help defense was good this year. Like, I, not not passable. I thought it was like good. I thought his as a low man, which he is oftentimes. Obviously, not about the charges. Just the smart help, as you said, the swipes, the digs, just the spatial awareness that he gave. I thought there was a video that was service that was making the rounds today on how bad Miami's rotations have been when a guy comes to help, and that's mm-hmm. just something that. I never felt with him. 
he was always kind of the, you know, not pre-rotating, but practically pre-rotating because he kind of saw the play ahead of time. And I don't know, man, like people call me crazy and I don't want this to be propaganda hour. I just want somebody <laughs> I respect to be like, gee, you're biased, like let it go. Or like, was there something to that? Like, I genuinely think now when he was here, the on-off numbers were like barely a difference, whether he was on or off, the defense was kind of the same. Now you're kind of seeing a slip that could be just because it's bad stretch. But I think that that might be a little telling going forward. Um, I think just to give you the quick hat tip, like, yeah, I thought Lowry was solid. Like, as Steve and I had conversations about the Heat throughout the year, and naturally he laughs at me because I, I just take the stuff to heart more than I probably yeah, should. Yeah. But, like, <clears throat> even talking through it, it was like, I feel like Kyle Lowry's probably been, like, at worst, like their second or third best perimeter defender this year. That's also part of the problem because he shouldn't yeah. be. But, like, I haven't really had much issue outside of Lowry is small, so sometimes his closeouts just don't The point matter. of attack, I, I, I agree the point of attack was a little weak, but whatever. I, I, the other stuff I thought was good. Yeah, so, like, I I generally just didn't mind the Lowry defense. I think any of the major complaints about Lowry had to come on the offensive end, about his aggression, what his paint touches actually meant, in addition to just how many paint touches was he going to uh, bring to the offense compared to the last couple of years. Like, I think that's all fair criticism of him. Defensively, I didn't really have much issue with him. It was also like, it was a lot of probing and nothing with him. So I, I get the frustration, but I always saw him as a connector, kind of like what Draymond Green at this point is for the Warriors on offense. He's an amplifier, and there was just nothing to amplify. So he's mm -hmm. kind of making an extra pass to like an ant shooter or an ant playmaker. And really, the, the defense was in rotation. I'll give him that, right? <laughs> but it's just, you know, the ball finds Haywood Highsmith at the wing, and you're just like, well, damn. And, you know, that's not Kyle's fault, and that's not Highsmith's fault. That's just that's just life, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, I just want, I wanted to talk about the outgoing. I wanted your thoughts real quick. And as we come into the incoming, Rozier has had two rough games and a good game. Dusted KD on a very nice little turnaround, little, little, little shaky shake. He has kind of the issues I, I, I feared as we talked to the defense with him. I think he and Tyler in the backcourt is a little, you know, suspect. I kind of don't see the playmaking with him. And I know you talked about that. And Zach Lowe talked about that, that that's going to be something to watch for. Like, how is he going to, is he going to be able to move the ball? There's a lot of like, he'll turn the corner of the pick and roll. One guy steps up and he like passes immediately out. Yeah. And you're not, nobody's rotating, nothing happened, and now you just wasted time on the shot clock. And that's kind of been my thing early with him. Of course, they're going to practice. A lot has been said about the film session today that they had uh, and the, that he hasn't practiced yet. But that's what I've noticed on offense. But uh, And he's a notoriously not good finisher, not Fred Van Vliet level, but, you know, around there. So those are my concerns with, with Scary Terry. Yeah, like I don't think we're super. I don't. I think we're pretty aligned on what we've seen with Terry so far. Like I think there has just been a general level of passiveness with him so far. He's very much trying to fit in. Then you throw in just the general lack of play uh, practice time. It makes sense that he's just very much just trying to find spots. That's why I mentioned a little bit earlier with him off the ball. Like he's literally trying to figure out how do I space within this offense, which I would like to good know. Luck. Like that's a like this is a thing that's important, folks. Like it's not easy to be good at relocation and stuff. Like these are micro skills that don't generally get talked about a lot, but that's a, it's a valuable skill. Like you have to have that feel and have to have that know how within an offense. And even as simple as okay, maybe I'm supposed to space to the wing. Maybe that changes if I'm spaced alongside like Haywood Highsmith, who likes to make the baseline cuts. 
and stuff like that. Like those are intricacies that are only going to be learned with time and more reps. So again, it's not red flag the trades a failure. No one should be going and pressing that button. Yet. Absolutely not. Yeah. But <clears throat> the spacing thing has really popped so far. It's been kind of funny, like watching him try to set random pin ins. It's like, no, dude, we need you <laughs> to take shots. That this is a team that does not take a lot of threes. I we kind of need you to uh to be part of that solution. But he's very much trying to work his way in, so that part's fine. The paint touch portion of the program is going to be pretty important and something I'm going to continue to monitor. As you mentioned, he isn't a great finisher. But as Steven others have brought up, like his ability to get into the paint with or without a screen, I think is valuable for this heat offense that just generally doesn't generate a bunch of paint pressure. And so as he gets more comfortable and knowing where guys are supposed to be or just feeling a little bit more at ease, okay, I can be more aggressive. I'm past the don't step on toes portion of the program. Let me just be Terry. Maybe some of those quick passes now turn to an extra dribble or two and he gets further downhill and he's further able to tilt defenses and maybe Miami's able to find some more advantages from there. Like, I think that stuff could come a little bit later, but it's going to take some time. Um, so he, yeah. yeah, no. So he's shooting 53, 57% at the rim uh, this season, which is in the 25th percentile. No, no bueno. 30, 36% from three. Not great either. His catch and shoot numbers are well-documented this season, although he's had, good catch and shoot seasons in the past i'm with you on the relocation stuff and that's frustrating because like that's one of the things i miss most about tucker is like that hammer screen to the empty corner relocation that's gone from their offense and it's like there was a play um in the boston game or the new york game i don't remember it might have been the phoenix game josh is in the corner and terry's running offense or somebody's tyler or terry one of the over dribblers is running offense and nothing's happening and Josh, Josh's man is like between the action and Josh. And Josh is not really open. And if that pass comes, that defender is going to make it. And I'm like, you need to do something. You need to set a hammer. You need to move. You need to cut. And it's so much of that around these guys that are that need help. They're not elite finishers. They're not. I think Terry can get to the rim at, at a good pace. But guys, you it's not just rim pressure. You have to force rotation. You need a defense to be like, oh, that's bad that you're doing that. I need to I need to change how we do things. And that's how you get your Duncan Robinsons involved. That's how you get even Tyler Hero more involved, you know, as a secondary kind of guy. Caleb Martin, who's really good at bending defenses, uh, not bending defense, attacking a bent defense, you mm-hmm. know, that that close that, that straight line closeout. Uh it's very Jalen Brown of him. Uh, but those are the kinds of things that they need that nobody does. And it's like Rozier injected into the lineup will help some, but I think system like symptomatically their problems are not fixed by just him being there. They all need to help him. And I'm not sure that these guys are like super capable of that. Yeah. Like this is like something that I've been thinking through a lot, just as I'm trying to learn more about basketball and stuff and something I've talked about in the dunker spot throughout the years, like just the general slight, but, important differences between spacing and shooting it's like there's overlap between the two but those aren't the same things exactly this is the first time in a while where i felt like miami's just a bad spacing league this year yeah like i've had concerns throughout seasons about okay do they have enough three-point shooting to make things matter this feels going back to the top of the pod like everything just feels worse right now like it just feels like you set up a Jimmy post up or Jimmy ISO or a Bam post up, and you got people cutting into them while they're trying to attack. And it's like, where's the timing? Where's the sense? Where's the spatial awareness here? Again, the Terry Rozier stuff, which again I mostly attribute to, 
he just got there and hasn't gotten to practice yet. He'll learn. He gets a pass. But like, yeah, but like Terry's trying to figure out where to space. And it's just like these are things that I've never really had to worry about with Miami. I mean, some of the stuff on like the BAM post-ups or the Jimmy post-ups, like those sprinkle in, like Siobhan and others have brought that up throughout the year. But like it's kind of been just that, but everyone else generally knows where to be, and it's just a matter of will the heat make shots or not. I don't like having to worry about will the heat make shots and where exactly are y'all going and what are you doing? Where are you standing? How are you timing these cuts? They need a map. Yeah. That's not how it's supposed to be. I have a question then. Okay. I've never seen a heat team this un that looks this unprepared. And I think you need not look to the Boston game when they've run drop all year and they start switching and it looked like a freaking disaster. Like nobody, it looked like if you put, us in an NBA game and told us to start running a scheme. And that's how confused we looked against Boston with all the blown switching and coverages. How much? And I, again, I, I don't say this. I understand this is blasphemy, but we're talking about preparation guys knowing where to be at what point. And again, this is not a question that I don't think any of us can answer. So it's unfair for me to bring it up, but how much of this is on the coaching staff? And it's like, these guys just don't look prepared. And these are NBA players. Josh Richardson's mm-hmm. an NBA player. Like Haywood Heisman's an NBA player. Like these are these are not like this is not like a bunch of projects on the team that you're running. It's their first time ever getting rotation minutes. These are guys that have been in the league a long time. Jovic is the only dude that is just like his first year actually playing. So I I have to wonder, and you know, I don't think it's been a banner. I, I don't think Eric Spolster was a bad coach. He's obviously like one of the best coaches in the league and one of the best coaches all time, but I don't think he's winning any awards this year is all I'm saying. No, like, I think that's a fair thing to bring up. Like I give a little bit of grace to the Boston game in particular. One Boston is really freaking good Two, That was second night of a back-to-back. And as they're also just trying to work in Terry and all the good stuff. Like, I think there was just a lot going on there. So like, I'll give a little bit of grace to that game in particular, but yeah, like to the spacing point, And I'm sure we'll get into like lineup decisions and stuff like that. Like it's at least fair to ask, what percentage of the pie is this with Spo slash coaching staff? Like, even if you decide it's 2%, yeah. which, I, again, I think we both agreed Spo is, if he's not the best coach in the league, he's top three, and he's certainly one of the best coaches of all he, time. He's, yeah, he's like, the guy I want in the playoffs, no questions asked. Yeah, like, he got the extension, probably could have got more if he wanted to ask for more. Like, the, he, no one, no one should be earnestly pressing the fire Spo. It's button. blank check for him. He's, yeah. he's blank so, like, check, yeah. Let's, let's make that very clear. But, like, in terms of just general organization stuff, like it's at least fair to bring up the question. I, I guess my real test is as they've gotten this, this wanted film session in, as they've gotten to practice, like I want to see how much of the process stuff cleans up. It could just be as simple as new team. We have finally got to sit down for real and go through some stuff on the court. But this stuff has been, this stuff has predated Rozier. The, the, the defensive disaster. So I was tweeting about this, like, when they were winning games and everyone was like, yay, Jaime, yay, heat, go culture, Joe Cronin, go to hell. I was, <laughs> I, I was saying Joe Cronin, go to hell, but the rest of the stuff. <laughs> um, and I was like, I don't like this defense. I think they have no bite. I think their help at the nail is laughable. It's a lot of that falls on Jimmy, by the way. I think that Caleb as well has just been like a super bleh defender. I think Caleb's negative de- defensive uh, EPM this year. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a lot of guys are just eh, a lot of like no the guys are not felt and i've said this a lot and i pro- chat's probably sick of me saying this they don't foul a lot this year 
And the Heat, Eric Spolster team's always top of the list in the league in fouls. That tells me that you're not being physical. That tells me that you're not being felt. And I blame the drop on some of that because I think they play a really soft, unphysical drop. I think a lot of that is Jimmy and other their other wings are not being physical enough, are not going in enough. And another that is is the charges. These guys aren't take trying to getting in front, sacrificing their body, all that, all those cliches. Those are those are the chart. Those are the, those are some of the fouls that you take. And so their defense has just been, ugh. and I and I blame the drop for a lot of that. And I think if they're gonna do it, Nikias, they gotta yeah. commit and they gotta drop him lower because I think they try to have Bam play like a normal drop, kind of like like what Tibbs does with the Nick Bigs. And I just think that you gotta you gotta sink them more and play not quite a bud drop. But your point of attack is non-existent, and you need to shut off the paint because it's you. You got to do something. I threw a lot at you. I'm sorry. Oh no, you're good. You're good with the defense. Like I've been right there with you. Like I remember dropping quickly. Like the the drive stat in Miami being at the bottom of the league in terms of defending drives and points possession allowed on possessions featuring a drive um, on the dunker spot. I looked that up before we hopped on here. Uh. <clears throat> They are very bad <laughs> in terms of defend, <laughs> it's defending drive. They're in a virtual tie well, with the Hawks and the Pacers entering uh, Tuesday night's action. So I'm just not going to include the game tonight. But 1.085 points per possession on trips featuring a drive against Miami this year. They still, by the way, are second fewest allowed at the rim via dunks and threes. So, I mean, that's still working, I guess. But, but like when they get there, it's just like, okay, what does that mean? But like, yeah, 28th in points per possession allowed on drives. 27th in possessions with closeouts. Like, it just hasn't been... The help has just been off with Miami. And so we can talk about changing the depth of BAM's drop, which I have some drop stats on that, too. Like, this is easy, this is the highest drop year for BAM. And quite yeah, and it's, it shows. <clears throat> it very much shows. But, like, I almost don't care about the depth with BAM because it feels like whether they have him closer to the level and dropping back to your New York point or if they just have him in a super deeper drop, the help just hasn't really been good for Miami this year. If they go with higher help and get it from the wings, it feels like they're either hovering there too long or they're working towards the help while the drive is happening, so it doesn't really affect anything. And if they play Bam higher up and you need the low man to rotate and peel in, the help is either small or it's late. And if you throw the skip, then the closeout's undisciplined, and now you're and driving. And now that small guy's not Lowry anymore, who you at least trust to make a play. It's Hero, it's Rozier, it's, you know those guys yeah so like it just hasn't felt like miami's found answers there and even that predates the rosier thing like i feel like cooper moore has been writing for like the last two or three years well here's where miami's defense ranks when they don't force turnovers oh no <laughs> oh that but that's been the, that's been the mo forever which is why yeah. i think that like they're okay with how much jimmy gambles it just looks really bad when it never goes his way which yeah, like this I, season it hasn't felt that way yeah, there, there just has to be – there has to be more from Jimmy, period, I think is where a lot of this goes to. But even that kind of goes into a broader conversation about the expectations for Jimmy Butler. I feel like the undercurrent of this entire heat build, which I recognize conference finals appearance, two finals appearance, et cetera. But it feels like the undercurrent is that, like, everyone in the hierarchy is probably a peg too high. Like, part of what's made Jimmy Butler turning up in the playoffs so incredible is the fact that he 
probably should be your number two brother in an ideal world do you remember we were doing shows back back in the day and brian and i said jimmy's not a number one and at the end of the day i'll eat shit on that because whatever they've been really close we were like you can't you can't empty the cupboard for jimmy butler because you need someone better than jimmy butler to be with jimmy butler mm-hmm. in a weird cosmic sort of way we were right we were wrong, but we were right. <laughs> I guess we like underestimated what the ceiling is or underestimated what the floor was with Jimmy. Because again, the playoff runs, you can't take those away. Those no, have been I know. Incredible. I mean, he's the number one in the playoffs, but yeah, asking him to, yeah, like he, he's 34. Because I, I also think he's hurt. He's like, he doesn't look right on defense. He's just. He's not finishing, and I, I maybe I harp on the finishing too much. Fifty six percent at the rim, bro. Yeah, like, he just had he hasn't been the same dude, and like it's easy to fall into the Jimmy just kind of chills during the regular season and ramps it up in the playoffs. Like I think he does. I think we have a large enough sample it's to know never that Jimmy been does like that. This, but it hasn't. Yeah, to your point, it hasn't been this, and that's where it's just like, how much of this is Jimmy saving it? Slash, if we're gonna be respectfully messy, the ball from the dunker spot real quick. Kind of upset with how the summer went, with how much clever. <laughs> I this felt like a team that knew or felt very strongly that Damian Lillard was going to be there, and now he's not. Brother, like, we all did. <laughs> As our aforementioned point, Joe Cronin, you could go to hell, sir. <laughs> but like, I wonder how much of it is that, and how much of it is it's it's ninety five percent of Jimmy Butler now because that's just how aging ninety five is generous, my friend. But yeah, I'm saying like 95% of like last year when he gets to his peak. Like he hasn't hit that peak enough. But I'm saying like even when Jimmy ramps it up, has he looked like last year's version of Jimmy when he ramps it up? Like I don't think so. Last night was, in my opinion, him ramping it up. <laughs> I mean, and listen, he won the matchup against Durant. whoop de doo um, They lost by a million points. Uh, I don't think he's been – Nikaias, he's probably been blocked already more this season than he has all of last season. Mm-hmm. made of stat but that's just a that's just a vibe thing by me it's just it just doesn't he, he doesn't feel right the defense for me is what is the tell because he's always competed the impact metrics don't love him jimmy butler is the impact metric darling yeah. lebron loves him raptor loves him epm loves him and this season it's he's he had a 14 estimated win uh estimated added wins uh via epm last year mm-hmm. he's at four last year his epm was plus seven. He's at plus three. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, at some of his career like lows. Good. Yeah. Because last year, Nikias, when he when it was kind of time to make all star picks, he was an all star that didn't have the games played. He had the games played problem. He and Harden because they were mm-hmm. both really good. They had all the metrics. Just the the argument was these guys didn't play enough. This season, he's played enough. He's just not good enough to be an all star over anybody. And it pains me to say like Julius Randle's just been flat out better than him. You know. Bonchero, a little bit of a fraud, by the way. If you check Bonchero's stats, that's that's a, uh, that's a different conversation. Listen, I was that was brought to light by the guys over at Nick's Film School, and I was like, wait a second, you're off to something. This Bonchero guy, this Bonchero guy's uh, this, this kind of skating. Regardless, uh, does not have a case, and it's the, he just feels he doesn't feel all there, and I I don't think that that's all. Like I'm coasting, a lot mm-hmm. of that feels like, are you aging? Is that your ankle? Did that not heal right? Because it, it don't feel good. 
Yeah, and I think for Miami, they need to figure out before the deadline, do we need to do something else so Jimmy can ramp this up more What does that even mean? Like, I don't... What is do something... Because, like, they're not going to move Tyler midseason. It -hmm. just doesn't... That's not their MO, and they wouldn't. That's an off... I've I've been told, quote, that's an off-season type move, if ever. So, what are you talking about? You're talking about... What can Duncan, a pick, and Caleb get you? Which at that point you're you're trading two rotation players and you know a ticket to get something better. Like what what exactly are you doing? I, I don't know. I don't know the hypothetical move that they need. I, it's just it just kind of feels like they got to figure something out internal and maybe they get some vet in the buyout market to give them eight minutes in the playoffs and you know something. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, <clears throat> to your point, like if it's not going to be a major in-season swing, it's going to have to become in, come from in, uh, inside the room. Which, to be fair, that is a thing that can happen. It's happened before. <laughs> it, it is a thing that can happen. Like, I'm not even as frustrated as I get with the Heat. And I know you get frustrated with the Heat. Like, I'm still not ready to press the big red button. This is just not being solved. I'm, I'm almost there. I'm, I'm like, almost- I'm, I've... I said earlier this season, again, when they were winning, I go, this team is straight up worse than last year's team. I don't mm-hmm. like the shots they get. I don't like the way they run offense because last year, good shooters were missing shots. I know that Max Drews is a good shooter. I don't care if Max Drews shot 23% or whatever. That guy's a good shooter. Just like when Duncan Robinson was missing a bunch of threes, I was like, I don't care. That guy's a good shooter. Like, mm-hmm. it's good shooters missing good shots. Gabe Vincent, another good shooter missing good shots. This year, I, I don't. I don't like any of this. I don't like Josh Richardson's not a good shooter and he's missing shots. Shocker. Um, and I like Josh and I think Josh played really well yesterday. And I think Josh has competed and he's people have been a little too hard on him sometimes. Um, you know, Highsmith, a good shooter this year, but you know, I don't, how do, are you going to rely on him? You know, I don't know. Jimmy's one of your most consistent three point shooters shooting 50, 43%. Is that real? I don't know. Maybe are you, is that going to sustain your offense? Probably not. Yeah. You know, Duncan's a good shooter, but Kyle's gone now. He was one of your better shooters, and he struggled at the end. And it's like the kinds of looks they get. Kevin Love's shooting has fallen off a cliff. He's shooting 33% this year. I've not been in love. I don't love the process. I don't love – I liked early in the season when they would run kind of that early pistol stuff, and they would get Bam a post-up in the in, like on the mid-block. And they got a lot of good offense out of that. That just disappeared. I don't understand why sets just vanish out of thin air. I don't get it, but whatever. But stuff like that is is bothering me. And then you see them push pace yesterday. You know, they, they were in a zone, and they push pace. And what do you know? They magically start <laughs> scoring when they play fast. Who would have thought, Eric? Not me. I mean, that's been a heat hallmark since he's been the head coach. Like Miami's never ranked high, even in the pace and space pace era of the big three. Without pace, the guy. <laughs> Which I mean, I feel like it, it was more tempo and tempo and space. I guess was more appropriate. Not as catchy. For Not those as catchy. Teams, it, it didn't work the same. Not, yeah, no. Still like okay, we will get into our stuff with some juice, but ultimately we're still going to be like bottom ten in the league in pace. I used to blame LeBron for that. I was like, this motherfucker just wants to walk it up. <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, in, in a in, in a cosmic sort of way, it was true. But Eric's just like, wait a second, walking it up. I like that. Even with Gogi, they walked it up. Yeah, 
It's been yeah. Oh, also very quickly, I was trying to look it up while you were talking about I, uh, I, Jimmy. I, I saw that. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, no problem. Um, so just looking at PVP stats, uh, nine point one percent of Jimmy Butler's two point uh, attempts have been blocked this year. That is the highest since his third year in the league while he was in Chicago. Yeah. That was at nine point nine percent. So uh, the eye test is eye testing. There, he is getting blocked a lot more frequently than in bro, years past. He got blocked from behind the other day, and I was like, "Who are you, bro?" There was another time on a pump fake. I think it was during the Nick game. He pump faked and nobody was around. I was at the Five Reasons Watch Party. Because Brady Hawk and I have been going back. Brady's like, he's coasting, man. He's going to, when the time comes, he'll be there. He's preserving his body. And I and he pump faked and no one was around. I turn, you know, like Batman in the Dark Knight, full body turns in the suit. Mm -hmm. I full body turn, I point at Brady. And I go, that's what happens when you get old. <laughs> That sounds like a fun watch party to be. <laughs> yeah. just, it was me yelling at Brady from across the room and Ethan trying to do a playback from a gaming center. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And Ethan played 2K against uh, against Brady. Oh, uh, I'm sure Ethan that was uh, Ethan was a 2013 Heat and Brady was this year's Pistons. Ah. Brady won. That's, that's kind of tough. Yeah, Which, I mean, to be fair, I mean, Pistons yeah. Heat game, when do we send a tough one between those two teams, huh? I don't want to play them this year. It's going to be <laughs> I don't I don't want that to be my 13th reason. I, I just don't need that in my life. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But, okay, we've covered a lot. Let's get to let's get to the big ticket item, Nikias. Okay. Tyler Hero versus Duncan Robinson with the starters. Now, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you some numbers here. Okay. So Duncan has played with Bam, Rozier, and Jimmy. Seven minutes. They're plus twenty net rating. They have like a one twenty offensive rating. That's really good. Mm -hmm. And it's only played seven minutes, which to me is, I think, the more telling thing. Not that those numbers look great, but that it's only played seven minutes. Now, Tyler Hero, Bam, Terry, and Jimmy, they played 57 minutes. They're minus 17 for 100 possessions with a 113 uh, offensive rating and a 130 defensive rating. That's the number. That number right there is all my fears come to light. So I've asked the question. Does it because you're not getting a 113 offensive rating is not, not worth it's not the juice is not worth the squeeze. 
Obviously, 56, 57 minutes is a nothing sample. We understand that. But Duncan makes a lot of sense with the starters. He's bigger. He competes more in defense. He, you know, Tyler, separating Tyler and Rozier to kind of separate your ball handling duties without a backup point guard also seems like it'd be the right thing to do. And that's kind of where I'm at. It also separates Tyler and and Duncan, which has just historically not been good. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been my proposition lately. I'm like, guys, Kyle Lowry's gone. This is what they got, and they're not trading Hero. So what are we going to do? What are our options? And to me, Nikaias, and I know that that's, this is not like what we think is going to happen because ultimately I don't think Eric Spolstra does that because I think you lose Tyler at that point. But schematically, that seems like a quick and easy elixir mm-hmm. can i ask you before i dig into that can i ask you a question on the duncan hero front on defense yes who do you feel more comfortable with uh again with switching tyler duncan. or duncan duncan you feel more comfortable with switching with duncan i do because he's bigger and i think tyler he kind of like tries to go for steals too often and it it's just like i think he knows when he's disadvantaged and he just takes risks and at least duncan I think Duncan understands like, okay, well I got to like, at least send this guy into help and he's going to, he's going to get beat. They're both going to get beat. But Mm -hmm. I think Duncan at least has a more fundamental understanding of like the team defense concept when he's isolated as opposed to Tyler. And I mean, at the end of the day, like when it mattered, they were hedging him in the playoffs, right? When, when he did play um, big minutes. So it's like, do you have to scheme? You have your scheme has to account for both of them, but mm-hmm. I just, especially for eighty two, man, just just get the bigger guy out there. I think. Okay. Am I, do, do you disagree? Um, like I'm trying to think through it because what I had in my head very much a recent bias in this specific case, but like I go back to the Knicks game, and I'm watching Duncan with these show and recovers or what were supposed to be show and recovers, <laughs> and he was absolutely awful. He was bad that game. In that game. So, again, I don't want to represent, like, that's just what Duncan does all the time. That's not the case that I'm making. But I'm looking at that, and then maybe this is just me. Was that this. pre or post-concussion? Uh, I would imagine that's pre-concussion. but which Because well, he played well, the whole game concussed. Game. I don't know if you saw the report today. He was concussed in that game, played the whole thing, and then played some of yesterday. And which was is out the with second. illness. And then... Which, by the way, they did that with justice, too. I'm on to you. I'm on to you, Miami. That, uh... That's a little weird that, that that this happened twice. That a guy gets concussed, nobody knows he gets concussed, then he plays the next game, and then they're like, oh, by the way. Yeah, I'm just going to say, maybe that's an offline conversation, but yeah, I'm just going to say, I hope Duncan is okay. Um... Yeah, hope Duncan's okay. I'm not, we're not, I'm, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I'm just, that was just me, Giancarlo Navas, not Nick Eisenhower. No, <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. But, um, but like maybe this is just me doing the pot with three years, uh, for three years at this point. But like I do wonder, maybe that's a bigger part of the calculus with why why you don't push that button and bring Tyler off the bench and you start dunking, because if you feel like you're boxed into showing recovers and your team already has been bad at closeouts and help defense, maybe maybe Spo feels more comfortable. If we have to switch Tyler, it may not go great, but at least we can simplify things in a way that we maybe can't with Duncan. Not that I agree with that, but I'm saying like maybe that's part of the rationale to why. Okay, so let I'll, let's I'll meet you there. Let's say that that's true. Mm-hmm. The offense certainly makes more sense with Duncan in the lineup than Tyler. I think it does. I also feel like we've had over a decade we spoke to where he very much feels like none of this matters if we don't get our defense right. 
Absolutely. He's very much of the mind, we will figure out the points. Even if it just turns into, at worst case, Jimmy Savers. I don't feel like that's great process, even when Jimmy turns it on. But like I feel like with Spo, at worst, we can do that. If we can't figure out anything with the defense, it doesn't matter how many points we score because we can't get anything else. Um, so like I would I generally agree. Like I do feel like Duncan's probably a better fit with even if he isn't a better fit with starting unit in general, he's probably just a better fit with Bam and Jimmy, just because of the way, not just the shooting, but the way that he gets to the shooting. Like that's probably just a cleaner fit. Like I was doing some second spectrum filter things earlier. And like off-ball screen usage for Miami is way up when Duncan's in with uh, Jimmy and Bam versus when Tyler's in. Pick and roll volume is down, but the pick and roll is also better or more efficient with Duncan on and here off, even with the volume being down. So it's just like like you can make plenty of arguments to where Duncan is the better fit there. I think with Spo likely being in, we have to fix the defense mode. And also just a general, I am a head coach of very talented players and we got to like ego management is just part of it. That's the part that I understand. <clears throat> Yeah. So I think once you put all of that together, like I understand why if you're Spo, I feel like we can get the defense to a level. And then I think just with more reps, we can probably figure out Jimmy Bam Hero. Now we are getting a growing sample of those three together not working well, out. Well, now it's Rozier in that equation. Now it's Rozier too. Who yeah. is the also negative defender with the six eight wingspan that you hope can you know be six eight wingspan. <clears throat> Yeah, which, again, I think with just more time, I think Terry's going to be better off the ball on both ends. Like, the on-ball, like, I think is going to be fine. It's not going to be great. I actually <clears throat> think he'll be better on-ball. You would know more than I do. I just think that the length that he has, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think knowing if they're if they're going to play drop, knowing that Bam's behind you, you know, you can kind of, I, I think that might be comforting for a guy like him. But, mm-hmm. like I said, man, 130 defensive rating and... I'll give you another number. Jimmy, Bam, Duncan, Highsmith, 109 defensive rating in 101 minutes. Again, not enough for where we are in the season for that unit, but, you know. Do you like Haywood as a starter, by the way? That's like my guy with their current group that I like there. I like it. Like, the only thing I worry about, and it's not specific to him, but the only thing I worry about is that how many shots does he have to take and make before defenses care about it? Because to your point about trying to establish those advantages within the half court and the way the teams are, maybe they rotate, but they're still funneling the ball elsewhere. Yeah. <clears throat> it's just like Haywood just feels like a victim of that still. That's why he's so- a starter, not a closer, because they don't close with him. And I actually, to much of the dismay of Heat Twitter, I understand why they don't close with him because mm-hmm. he gets the ball like in the middle of the floor and he's deer in headlights. And it's like, oh. And I get he's- that because he's not there yet. He's not there yet. And so, like, maybe in if Miami had more of a buffer and not on the longest losing streak in the last 15 years, like, maybe you could afford, hey, let's just give him these reps so he'll be ready by the time the playoffs roll around. But when you're in this kind of skit, you super can't afford to do it right now. You just need to get some Ws on the board and kind of improve the morale. But, yeah, like, I like generally, I like Haywood. Like, I feel like he's had a solid year. I guess <clears> it's just, like, the question is, like, him, Love, Hawkes, or Caleb as the other starter. And I just think that, like, Hawkins may, I mean, I guess Hawkins is eventually going to get that, that job. I just mm-hmm. think that their bench needs, their bench kind of needs them right now. And I, I'm a little worried about removing that element from that. Yeah. And to the ego management portion, it's easier to say how may not yet. Yes. Versus let's put you in the starting group. Let's also bring Duncan to the starting group. And now you have to 
got to be on pins and needles on that. That's my language, bro. Oh, man. I love that lineup yesterday, by the way. And it was like, bam, Tyler, Josh, Jaime, and um, there was somebody else. And Caleb. Mm-hmm. I really like that lineup. Because I, I think, Nikaya said, like, they play too many units with three bad defenders. And that's just been killer for them. It's like Tyler, Duncan, Kate, uh, T- Tyler, Duncan, and then Kevin Love right together. And I'm like, what are we doing? You know, mm-hmm. or, or Rozier, Love, you know, Duncan. And I'm like, can we can we not? And I understand that, like, it's difficult because they have the same problem as always. A lot of one-way guys, you know, you're good on offense, not good on defense. Kevin Love's defense has unfortunately slipped. But they he has a puzzle, and some of the pieces don't fit, and some of the pieces have feelings that you can't break. And it's hard when puzzles have feelings. <laughs> well, we now have the episode of the pod. Puzzles have puzzles yeah, have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't envy it, man. I don't envy it. That shit looks hard. These guys are human beings. And listen, if I'm Tyler, you know, I've said this, and people think like I hate. I like Tyler. Tyler seems like a good guy. It sucks, man. If you just told like, hey, man, you gotta, you gotta, you can't start anymore. Duncan's starting. <laughs> You're just like, I'm better than that guy. And you're like, maybe, but that's not helping winning the way that I see it. And that's that stinks, bro. Nobody wants to hear that. That's a yeah, that's a tough thing to sell. Then you just think about the Tyler arc in general, in terms of just like fan service and stuff. Like the Heat made the lottery pick. We all remember the <laughs> the draft episode, all the good stuff. But anyway, like he gets the pick, he drastically outperforms what you expect from someone from that slot has the big game against Boston. And it feels like since then, I mean, you sprinkle in the six man of the year award win and everything else, but like since then it just feels like it's been kind of a downward swoop. Hey, can we trade Tyler to get this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, also this guy, he gets paid. Holy crap. He's making this. How are we going to trade him for this guy? He comes back. He's objectively better than the last time we saw him. And it's well, actually we're better with Duncan Robinson in the lineup. It may be true, but like from his perspective, it was like, dang dog, when, do I get accepted for being good outside of I got the paycheck? He's which... constantly attacked. Yeah. For everything that he's not. And it's not his fault. Cause I, I just, he's, they, Jimmy and Bam, the ugly truth is they don't fit well on offense, on yeah. defense. And I don't like when people say they don't fit because on defense, it's a match made in heaven. On offense, it doesn't work great. Two guys that are kind of non shooters and kind of, you know, they both like to occupy, you know, around the rim and stuff like that. This, as you, as we talked earlier, the spacing and, and they're just like a, a weird spacing team. And, and Tyler comes in as a guy who can't get to the rim, but it's just too many pull-ups, too many kind of get to my spot and take a little mid-range or a floater and just a minus defender and needs the ball a little too much when the offense needs a little bit of hierarchy when it's winning time. And it's just unfortunate that for him that that's where he landed because I do think he's very good. So it stinks. I'm, I feel bad for him. It, it's rough. Like, it's funny. You think about the broader context of the Heat <clears throat> and even just with Bam. the Because that fit is so weird, you need a high-level pull-up shooter to unlock both of them. And you're asking Tyler to do that when, if we're talking about starting Duncan Robinson over him and him being a six-man, which he's already won six-man the year before, if we if we are agreeing that he should he's probably best utilized as the six man for this team, it's also unfair to put the expectation on him that he needs to be the pull up threat to unlock their two best players. Yeah, like it's a weird loop that we're in. 
And it's kind of weird too, because it's like I would like him to take more threes, but I and I think the mid-range diet's good. I just think this team takes too many, and like Bam takes way too many, which he's toned down as of late. Um, Tyler just takes too many, and they don't have like elite mid. Like it's not like they have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker like prime Chris Paul. You know what I mean? Like they got like okay mid-range shooters that take a lot of mid-range shots, and it's like. Yeah, man, your offense stinks because you just have so-so shooters taking so-so shots and the best shots you don't take enough of. And it's like, it's frustrating. And it just feels like, I feel like they're shooting early, masked a lot of these problems. And now we're kind of like, I think we all deluded ourselves a little bit into believing that they were something else. And then reality has come and it has swept away in the longest losing streak since the 15 win season in 2008. That's such a nasty stat, which to the shot profile point, 28th in rim rate, first in mid-range rate, 14th in three-point rate. That's not a that's winning not gonna. That's not going to get it done. Unless when you have Kevin Durant, maybe. <laughs> and Phoenix is number two in mid-range rate. But yeah, exactly. For, and they're good because they have a good, they have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Bradley and, Beal. Yeah. And even with that, like, guess who on the dunker spot has been kind of questioning earlier in the year? Hey, what's going on with Phoenix's offense this year? Why aren't Devin Booker and Kevin Durant taking more threes or getting more shots at the rim? It's been this guy. And so, like, even when you have those guys, there is still there's still low-hanging fruit to grab to maximize your offense. And Miami just doesn't – they haven't showcased that yet. Siobhan asks, where is New Orleans in mid-range rate? I'm throwing you a bone because I love you and you're my friend. They take the second <laughs> least amount of mid-range shots. Uh, Chicago is the only team that takes fewer. Uh-oh. Because I'm looking at... <clears throat> I'm going on dunks and threes. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I'm, sorry, I'm on, uh, cleaning the glass right now. Um, They have Miami first, Phoenix second, uh, Chicago sixth. Oh, I'm Warriors sorry. I'm looking sixth. at the wrong side. I'm looking at defensive, what they allow. Excuse oh, me. Oh, okay. Gotcha. No wonder. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I saw... Okay. Yeah, New Orleans 10th. Yeah, New Orleans. Yeah. And even a big... I think a big thing with them has been CJ kind of cutting down on the mid-range shots and taking more threes and kind of helping to balance out their offense a little bit more. So like that's... Shabon made this Pelicans beat. I, I, I don't like this. <laughs> By the way, Nikai, so I don't know if you saw, I'm starting I'm starting Hornets beat when Kyle plays his first game there. Um, I'm afraid I have some bad news. If he's do, do we believe Kyle Lowry's going to play a game in Charlotte? I don't, but I'm hoping. Would you think he even went? I would be very surprised if he may have been in Charlotte's airport. He may have gone to do think... like something, sign a paper and then come home. Don't they have DocuSign? Like, did he have to? <laughs> <laughs> he checked his email on the way home to Philly. Like, I don't On yeah. the tablet, you know? Yeah, I, I highly doubt that he has uh, stepped foot in Charlotte. Anything but Philly, man. Anything but Philly or New York. I, I'm hoping that DeMar comes in with a late swoop and convinces him. That's what I'm hoping. If that man goes to Chicago, we're gonna have to have a discussion. No, 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 no. Like, I need that. I need that. You got best friends reunited. Come on, help them. Help that? them make the playoffs. A big three of Levine, Demar, yeah. Kyle Lowry. Yeah. You know what's actually gonna happen? It's just gonna be Demar being traded to Philly, and then Kyle being the buyout guy on top of that. Oh, you don't even say that. <laughs> and they trade him. I guess Tobias would work. No, they wouldn't do that, would they? They wouldn't do that, would they? That'd be, that'd be bad. Actually, actually, wait a second. Demar, Demar in Philly helps my agenda. He's gonna nuke their season along with Embiid. Wait a second. 
this is nasty business. You're you're cooking. Hey, wait this, a second. You're, this, hey, you're onto something, my friend. I just want you to know this is nasty business. Yeah, you're on. Hey, wait a second. I, I'm I'm kind of open to that. I'll make the sacrifice. Fall in the sword. Still two birds and one stone. But Nikaias, my friend, thank you so much for indulging in my nonsense and talking heat with you. I love to hear from you. I love to see your beautiful face. And it's listen, you're 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 the goat, man. You're the goat. Tell people what's on deck for you, where people can find you. What what can the folks expect at home? Ooh, buddy. Well, first and foremost, I appreciate you, friend. Thank you for having me on. And again, I, I say it as often as I can. Like Nakai is on the dunker spot. Nakai is doing all these cool things. It just doesn't happen without the heat beat run. And you pushing me very far out of my comfort zone and just give me a platform in general. So forever indebted to you, my dude. Um, as far as where you can find me, et cetera, uh, Nikias NBA on Twitter. Uh, if you aren't subscribed to the Dunker Spot podcast by now, how dare you? But also, please subscribe. Please It'll subscribe. Help us pay our bills. Please subscribe. Um, where, where is the podcast available? You know, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Are you on YouTube? Uh, we are on YouTube every Tuesday. Tuesdays are for the Dunkers. So subscribe to JJ Reddy's YouTube channel. First episode of the week, we go twice a week. But first episode is always on what YouTube. What is the channel called? So. Uh, the channel is called, you know, appropriately named JJ Reddick. Uh, if you want to, okay. want to that's that. easy, <laughs> guys. Go. I know you like the visual. Are you guys streaming? I'm asking you questions because I want to push this. If you don't listen, this is the best content for basketball fans. I don't say this because Nikai is my friend. It is legitimately Steve Jones. By the way, funniest man in podcasting right now, killing the game. The dad jokes, everything. That man, I love him. He's the goat. He's also the goat. But you guys got to check that out if you don't. I'm sure that our audience does because our audience is smart and they're loyal to people who come through here. But if you're not, fucking subscribe. <laughs> Go ahead and do that. We, we've been getting uh, plays gonna get you. into the YouTube videos um, as of late. So that part's been fun if you want more you know, visual examples and stuff like that. And last thing I have, we're on playback just about every night watching games, breaking Dude, down stuff. You guys are on playback so much. Dog, yes. I sometimes put your playback on just so that I'm kept company. Like I'm working <laughs> and I just throw it on just to hear you and Steve, just so that I don't feel alone. Hey, we're glad we can help you out, man. But also you're like, you the, you're like the sunset. I may not watch you every day, but I know you're there and that's comforting. That's a bar. That is a bar. I will take that. But we're on playback, uh, playback slash the donker spot. Come rock with us. It's a safe haven for you. We have people come on stage all the time ranting about uh, venting about life stuff on top of just the basketball stuff. So very safe space for you. Come rock with us if you want to. That's a go. So check out all the offerings that Nikias Duncan and, and the Dunker Spot and Steve and JJ Reddick offer. And hopefully we will see you the next time we speak. Miami will be in the playoffs. We were we are we will be previewing Heat Celtics or something. Something fun, I hope, when we're when we talk openly on a platform. Uh because I gotta stay to the arena tomorrow, guys. I'm going. I'm seeing my energy lady, and uh, listen, <laughs> something has to be done. I, I will. I will not stand by uh, as this happens. So we're all doing our part. Nikias, love you, my brother. Thank you to the audience. Siobhan will be with you tomorrow for Miami Heat, Sacramento Kings post game show. You get a break from me, and uh, Bond will be on. Uh, Brian will be producing. We're getting Brian. We're, we're putting Brian to work, and uh, that's that should be a good game. That should be. You want to see a team run? <laughs> you're gonna leave with something you're, you're gonna leave with something because there will be points i can't promise you by who but I, there will be points <laughs> there will be points and bam always takes us a bonus matchup personally and, and when that guy hates a dude you know he'll try so yeah, take that miles turner yeah uh, yeah <laughs> take that miles turner. so uh enjoy shabon and uh we'll talk to you soon <laughs>